Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Now, let's join Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media as we explore the inspirational worlds of music, media, and more. Song is the story of God's blessing of 
come join me in singing of that emerald isle of flowers that like jewels they sprinkle the Throughout the day. Welcome to Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. And today I have a special guest with me, Asha. And that song um, is a track off the Finding Happiness movie, which we're going to be talking about besides some other really exciting things that I'm really thinking that we all need to hear right now. So we're right here right now to hear all this. Asha is a internationally known spiritual teacher, and she has had a really amazing life so far and has been able to do some things that a lot of us wish we could do. Um, besides just her own spiritual journey, she's going to talk to us a little bit about her um, part, being part of the movie, Finding Happiness, and a little bit about that so we can get that out there. And if anyone would like to call in, The number is 347-677-1036, and the chat room is open if you would like to go there. And if you'd like to know, the show will be available afterwards on iTunes and on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio on demand afterwards. Uh, You have to excuse me if my voice is a little raspy. Um, It's like uh, allergies in the air right now. So if I sound a little different, I'm just a little tired, that's all. But I'm here, so I'm super excited about having Asha here, and I'm going to bring her on because we have so much to talk about, and that song was just a beautiful song. Hi, Asha. 
Hello, Holly. I'm very happy to be here with you. Me too. That song, Emerald Isle, what a beautiful song that is. And uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about that and um, a little bit about, I think that was part of your your congregation that sang with that? Are you okay? You've got allergies too, yeah. it sounds like. No, yeah, just a little bit. Um, that song was written. There was a, uh-huh. a great, uh, there's an Irish band called the Chieftains. People may know about them. And uh-huh. they had a, a harp player named um, Derek Bell. And Derek Bell became very interested in the Ananda community and in the founder of our community, Swami Kriyananda. And Derek wanted to do an album of Celtic songs of, that Swami Kriyananda would write for him because Swami Kriyananda is also a musician in addition to everything else. So mm-hmm. he, Swami wrote two albums worth of songs that Derek recorded for us, and Emerald Isle, which is a tribute to Ireland, uh, was one of those songs. And it, it had a, a long life of its own. The, the album Mystic Harp and Mystic Harp 2 were really big albums for, uh, for Ananda and for Derek Bell, too. Um, and then when we made this movie about our our communities, our intentional spiritual communities, mm-hmm. the, the sort of the evocative nature of that song was so perfect to describe the ide- the ideal, you know, on which our communities are built. So that's Swami Kriyananda's voice singing. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I, and uh, I know we're coming up to his memorial um, very shortly. Well, he died a year ago on mm-hmm. August 21st, so we basically mm-hmm. just passed it. His birthday is on May 19th, so he died a month short of his 87th birthday. So he had a long and very, very productive life. I would have liked it to go on for another 100 years or so, but that was just my own selfish desire. Oh, no, <laughs> I totally get that. Let yeah. me give your first I want to give um, a couple things out to everybody is the website. Okay which is www, and then it's N-A-Y-A-S-W-A-M-I-S, no, I-A-S-H-A dot org. Go there, and also, if you go to YouTube and you put in in Finding Happiness Movie, there's a whole Mm -hmm. channel there. It's unbelievable. And um, I saw your interviews, and it's, it's so beautiful. I I just love I love the movie. I have the movie. I want to thank Dia so much. If you're listening, Dia, thank you from my heart for the movie and um, for introducing me to Asha because I think Asha is going to be a lifelong friend. Um, Asha, you're not too far from me, and um, I know that you do um, services. And I want to talk about your your journey because you've had okay. an amazing journey studying under. So many different people, and um, you and David both have become spiritual directors of the Ananda Palo Alto in California. I know you guys have a Sunday service and other many beautiful things, a yoga center. Um, talk about yeah. your spiritual journey and how you got to where you are today. Well, like many people, I'm sure some of your listeners will identify with this, from a very young age. Mm-hmm. I always had the feeling that there was something more profound going on around me than anybody was talking to me about. Mm-hmm. And as a child, the way the child mind works, I imagined that I would reach a certain age 
I grew up in a Jewish family, so maybe it would be part of the bar mitzvah or something like that, mm-hmm. where all the adults would suddenly reveal the secret, so to speak, and they would talk to me about the meaning of life now that I was old enough to understand it. But as I grew older and became a teenager in my late teens, I, I gradually perceived that my sense of seriousness about the intention of why, we, why we're born into a human body and what it's for was not shared by many others. And I became increasingly concerned about how I was just going to make a life that would work. I had a lot of uh, latent abilities and a, a inherent kind of intelligence that was what I call school smart. So it, mm-hmm. it was obvious that I could go forward and do whatever I wanted to do. But my my desire in life was very singular, which is I could tell that nothing would work unless I had happiness inside because uh, I, all I ever experienced was how I felt inside. That's all anybody experiences. And people would tell me to get this degree, to get this job, to succeed in this or in that way. And then somehow there would the byproduct would be happiness. But I wasn't <clears throat> I wasn't convinced. I, I just didn't mm-hmm. feel from looking around me that the people around me really knew what they were talking about. And when mm-hmm. I was 18, I was introduced to the idea of meditation, to the idea of the inner path, to the to the thought that we can transform our own consciousness by deliberate by a deliberate choice mm-hmm. and at that point it was the first time i felt somebody had told me something i really wanted to know and i kind of studied on my own as best i could for a few years but i still felt bewildered because i couldn't figure out how you make a life out of those ideals and then when i was 22 years old i was um, at stanford university and swami kriyananda came as a guest speaker Swami Kriyananda is an American man. He was in his early 40s then. This was 1969. Mm -hmm. And he is a disciple of Paramhansa Yogananda, who wrote the iconic Mm -hmm. book, um, Autobiography of a Yogi. People have heard a lot about Autobiography of a Yogi because of Steve Jobs' commitment to that book. I know. Isn't that He passed it out at his funeral to everybody who came to his funeral. He thought it was so important. I have a copy. I have a copy. Very good. Yes. And Swami, Swami Kriyananda read that book in 1948, just after it was published, while Yogananda mm-hmm. was still living in Los Angeles. And Kriyananda mm-hmm. himself was 22 at that time. He crossed the United States. He went right to where Yogananda was. He said, I want to be your disciple. Yogananda made him a disciple. And for the last almost four years of Yogananda's life, uh, he was Kriyananda was trained by him. And wow. So but. By the time I met Swami, Swamiji, as I call him, Swami Kriyananda, mm-hmm. um, he was starting his own life work, which at his guru's request was to build communities where people could meditate and live a spiritual life, but they wouldn't be monasteries in the traditional sense, uh, mm-hmm. where people could have families and do businesses and be, be creative, be involved in the world but still have a profound spiritual focus. When I met Swami Kriyananda in 1969, he was just starting to build the first of those communities. And I just literally, I looked at Swami and I thought, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for 
joyful, free, dynamic, serviceful, um, innovative, visionary, and that was it for me. I just tossed my life. You knew it. I never looked Mm -hmm. back. It's been, what, 45 years? It resonated with you. Beyond resonated. It was like a lifeline. (laughs) It was like, wow. now I can do it. Now I know what to do Uh with my life. And I didn't. You know, it was an act of faith and intuition, but it turned out to be the right thing. Uh, You know, now all these years later, it's just my life has been everything that I hoped it would be and feared it wouldn't be, if you know what I mean. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. And you've done so much more, too, um, based off that with your teachings and and things. Um, You want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, the the idea of Ananda, as I was mentioning earlier, you can find mm-hmm. this on the web too, A-N-A-N-D-A. Ananda.org mm-hmm. is the main site. I have a, My husband and I have a branch community, Ananda Palo Alto, the city of Palo Alto.org. Mm-hmm. These are easy things to find. Well, the principles of Ananda, and this also goes into the movie that we made, are that... Um, well, it, it, it's it's partly on the idea that there are a, a tremendous number of difficulties that people are perceiving in the world, ecological, economic, social, spiritual. There's a long list. And in the late 60s, when I was one of you know one of the early hippies, and we were doing all of that, the same issues that is, are happening much worse now. We saw it all coming. And our thinking, and Swami Kriyananda's especially was that what we need to do is we need to pull away from society just a little bit and create small small communities where we can really know each other and where we can live more in harmony with God, with nature, and with one another. As, as Swami mm-hmm. puts it in the Finding Happiness movie, which is about our life, he said, you can't really trans- change the whole country. You can't fly over the bridge, so let's fly under it. Let's Let's make dynamic examples of a real alternative. Let's show how it works, and then those principles can be taken by people in all directions. Uh, you know, wherever they live, pieces of these ideas of how to how to have a successful marriage, how to meditate, of course, how to be in tune with God, how to educate your children, how to be creative in the arts, um, how to live in harmony with nature, how to grow your own food, and the list is very long. And from the early years, I moved to what was called Ananda Village, which is a, the first community of Ananda. It's a large rural community outside of Grass Valley. There's mm-hmm. a retreat where people can visit there. And it, when I moved there, there was almost nothing there. It was not quite bare land, but it was real close to it. And we just had so much fun just living in a very simple way and just step-by-step step, uh, creating. Uh, if if the goal of life is to be more in tune with a greater reality, if the potential of every person is really infinite in terms of their awareness, if we are all part of one loving heart, what would life look like? And with Swamiji's inspiration and guidance, we just started working that out. And it was a a theory and an experiment in 1969 and 2014, now that we have nine communities around the world, and um, 
really thousands of people who who look to and follow this, um, it's no longer a theory. It's a proven fact, and that's what the Finding Happiness movie is about, is what it is, why we did it, how we did it, and much more importantly, what it means to the people watching it, um, what people can do to improve their own reality. Mm -hmm. And it's a really beautiful movie, and it's really fun to watch because there's so many different interactions going on. And I would say to anyone that would like to get the movie Go ahead, you can go to the website, but you can also go to the YouTube channel, Finding Happiness Movie, and there's a playlist on there with many different people, including yourself, being interviewed. And um, it's it's really beautiful. And I like how it starts out with, the person that's the, the woman that's coming to do the interview on mm-hmm. on finding happiness and spiritual leaders, and then she just finds her own. She starts her own journey with all of yes, this. Exactly. So you know, we had fun making it. We had, took me. Yeah, go ahead. yeah that we took had a, me we, a lot. That was good. I'm so glad you liked that. There was a lot of different discussion. I was involved in the making of this movie. We only mm-hmm. just finished it in the last year, but. Um, you know, we didn't we we didn't want to do a, a documentary because mm-hmm. we were afraid it wouldn't be beautiful enough and it wouldn't have enough heart. And also, we we needed we needed to have the audience's point of view represented. So this idea came up. The producer came up with this idea of having a fictional character, which is a journalist from New York, get get assigned to go to California and see what's going on with this group out there. And mm-hmm. then once she but once she arrives, every everybody that she meets is plays themselves and speaks exactly as themselves. There's no, there was no script at that point. So it was she's like, just normal, it just happened. Yeah. It like yeah. it just happened. And what got to be a lot of fun is that the actress herself mm-hmm. I mean the character in the movie goes through a character evolution. And the transformation. Herself, I see that. Yeah. And the actress herself went through it, and she mm-hmm. herself says that by the end of the movie, she was not acting anymore. <laughs> she was no, just and that's herself. beautiful. Yeah. It it was quite a it was quite a delightful experience, and thanks to our director, whose name is Ted Nicolau. He was he's a professional Hollywood director. Um, mm-hmm. He just he was he caught the vision just right. He understood what Ananda was about, and Swami Kriyananda, this was filmed in the last year of Swami Kriyananda's life, so he plays a prominent role in the movie. Um, Ted really understood what, who we were, what we were about, uh, what our intention was in making the film, but he never lost his objectivity, and he always was able to pull out of Ananda's reality the part that other people would, would want to know. And uh, mm-hmm. I really, all credit to him, I think it came out really well. Well, I know it's won a lot of awards. I'm looking at the International Film Festival, the Film Festival, um, the Spiritual Religion Vision. Uh, you know, I, I, I see a lot of awards on the movie itself. And I want to yeah. give everybody the website, too. It's findinghappinessmovie.com. If you go there, you can see... Um, all the different things that are 
offered. Um, you can become a happiness ambassador, which I'm a love ambassador, which is really cool. Maybe I'll become a happiness ambassador next. <laughs> that would be fun. And uh-huh. um, then there's daily happiness, which is really nice. You can have different um, daily happiness quotes sent to you, which is really cool. Um, I, I like this. This is really nice because it gets a lot of people really interested in what ha- what is behind the movie besides that. But you yourself, my dear, are a very interesting woman. You are very calming, very easy to talk to. Um, I, I'm quoting here that you're an amazing speaker. You have an incredible ability to explain the teaching so clearly that it's easy and um, a joy to listen to you, which is very true. And you do a Sunday service. Um, I know that you also do free talk online recordings of your classes. And you do have some other things that you do as well, right, Asha? Oh, yeah. Well, from the from very early when I arrived in the Ananda community, mm-hmm. Swami Kriyananda had me, whatever I learned, he had me carry it out and tell others and I felt very early on. I, I've had a very close association with Swami Kriyananda for four decades, and I I learned a great deal from him. He conveyed to me a just a thrilling understanding of life and how to be happy, really. And from the early on, he made it clear that what was being given to me was not to be kept, but it was to be passed, mm-hmm. passed on. And so for many decades now, it's really been my full-time work and I, I teach here, my husband David and I have started our own, I mean, our own branch of Ananda in the Palo Alto area, and we have a temple here where we have many programs, and I speak regularly there. But in the last few years also, because of the Internet, I can give webinars, and they're all over the world, and I've started traveling a good bit too. There's a, I have a, a, my own YouTube channel, Naya Swami Asha, if you look up Asha or Asha Praver, oh, yeah, Google, there. you'll find it. You'll find it easily. Oh, I'm on your it. channel. Yeah. I'm on your channel. It's beautiful. I was able to look at one of the Sunday services and also yeah. the thing that you did for Mother's Day, which was really beautiful. Well, the, the point for me is really nice. The point for me has been this, that, that the, the idea of uh, living in harmony with a greater reality or even finding happiness, it's a very elevated ideal. But mm-hmm. we get up at, we get up every morning, and the issues that we face are usually not elevated. It's washing the dishes, it's taking care of our kids, it's <clears throat> learning to get along with our husband or wife, learning how to earn money, feeling like you have satisfying work, just struggling against the you know the inner turmoil that all of us go through of desires and emotions and disappointments and everything. And what I've learned over these years is that there's a there's a unifying thread that's like a road map through all of that where everything that happens to you can be faced and turned in a direction what i would call the ever expanding awareness which ever expanding self mastery and ever expanding happiness and the wonderful thing about the way swami kriyananda has put it forward is that you don't have to be advanced to start. You don't have to be anything at all. Wherever you're standing, there's a way to just make whatever you're experiencing a little more satisfying and a little more mm-hmm. successful. 
And I've tried my very best to to just be really uh, clear-minded and grounded. And even though I can go very far out with the ideas that I am committed to and that I believe are helpful and true, I think the most important thing is to give people something that they can do when they get up in the morning. And I've, I've, because we've lived in spiritual community and, and our whole understanding of life is based on community, what that means is it's based on real-life experience of people oh, getting totally. along with each other. Yeah. Yeah. When we when we personally experience things, I I totally understand that. It's like nobody knows really what it's like unless you really are in that moment. Like you and I were talking about being in the moment, and mm-hmm. how sometimes it's really hard because yeah. we're thinking about other things. But yeah. um, I think that the it, it takes it takes a lot, it, but you can catch yourself. Now, what do you personally do for yourself when you find yourself wanting to think about something that happened yesterday or a little bit ahead in your time? How do you get into the present moment? What do you do personally? Well, what we're talking about is being able to concentrate. And mm-hmm. so I practice I practice the techniques of concentration as part of meditation. So meditation helps give one the ability to to choose where your mind will be focused. Of course, most people find when they try to meditate, they discover they can't focus their mind. So it's a process. Um, I would say that what you're asking is it's a lifelong it's a lifelong um, effort. And the the main thing that happens is you find yourself drifting to where you don't want to be, and you bring yourself back to where you want to be, and then your mind goes away and you bring it back. And if you persevere, persevere in this effort, then over time, um, like any other skill, it becomes better. Now, it, that doesn't mean you never contemplate and reflect on the past or mm-hmm. anticipate what's going to come, but one begins to pay attention to the pattern of the mind. And you can't, um, you can't change yourself unless you really want to. And one mm-hmm. of my friends puts it this way, you have to really experience that the effort to change yourself is less painful than continuing in the way that you are. In, I mean, in AA, they talk about you have to hit bottom. And I think in self-transformation, you have to hit bottom too. You have to realize that even though the effort to resist my bad habits seems overwhelmingly difficult, to continue in my bad habits is even worse. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the point you have to come to where this isn't working for me anymore. And so I think the first question to ask yourself is, how is this working for me? How What is this giving me? How does it serve me? Um, and, and then we just start, you know, asking, is, this, is it going to help me to run this? I also... You know, I if if I'm not able to concentrate on one reality and my mind is really caught in something I don't want it to be caught in, I usually try to find what what will absorb my energy. Often it mm-hmm. means you go you go out for physical exercise or you 
um, do something for a friend or you choose an easier task that you like better and get your energy moving in something that you will pay attention to and then you can shift over to what perhaps you really need to be able to do. Um, it's it's a long story, and there's lots of uh, explanations. When you begin to study the whole thing, you begin to understand what the chakras are, what karma is, how karma works in your life, how you can begin to um, unravel the karmic patterns that keep pulling you back or, or pulling you forward, pulling you out of your present moment. Um, you practice being... Um, less identified or less attached um, to uh, the small things that are making your mind agitated. And, I mean, these are all very big answers. Uh, oh, but sure, is, no. Yeah, but there it's is no small It's easy to answer. talk about, but I know a lot of times we have to apply it to our daily lives, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I know that you're giving some really great advice. You have also written your own book, um, on your site, if you go to um, your site itself about you, Asha, um, mm-hmm. I am seeing your books that you've written, um, and you're also offering the book um, as an audio book, digital download, and also you can order the book, paperback, right. and audio MP3. I've and, written uh, a book. Yeah? Yeah. I've written a book Talk about, about Swamik about Swami Kriyananda, which is a collection mm-hmm. of my experiences and other people's. Then I published a book um, about miracles and answered prayers, also other people's stories of just evidence of intercession from a greater force than our own selves. The mm-hmm. third book I've just finished is called Ask Asha. It's not up yet because it's just actually coming out um, now, so it's not available yet. And that's my people ask me questions over the years, and I just put about 40 of them into a book. Just They range from, um, did aliens invade the earth hundreds of years ago, to um, what's the difference between the Son of God and the Son of Man in reference to Jesus, and um, I've, I'm caught in a difficult divorce, what do I do about it? Um, these are all the kinds of things that people want to know. On that same website, you'll find a section called Ask Asha, which is what the book was taken from. And just yeah, people's very that. practical questions. Yeah, very practical questions and very practical answers. Well, then what I'm going to ask you, Asha, is while you were doing your latest book that we're, that you're going to be releasing soon, when is that going to be within the next month or so? Uh, it may not actually. Let's see. You, it'll be available through my own website within a, within a month. It's actually oh, cool. it's just come back from the printer. It's being released at the national, the booksellers a, a meeting in New York City at the end of May, and then it's available from uh, through my website and through Ananda. It'll come out in the trade. It won't go onto Amazon until the fall. That's the mm-hmm. way book publishing works. But you can buy it from us directly prior to that time. Okay. Well, yeah. I have a question for you. Within uh-huh. this is going to be a really there's probably going to be many different answers to this and just so you know as i said we were going to extend the show i did extend it because we're Mm -hmm. talking so i wanted to know if that was okay with you of course um okay great 
because I really do want you to be here with us right now. Um, while you were, well, actually, let me ask a couple questions here. As okay. you studied under your yogi that mm-hmm. recently just left Earth, mm-hmm. um, were there any certain experiences or any certain things that really stick with you that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, certainly. Um, you know, these, what I experienced with Swami Kriyananda, and he was a very, just an absolutely delightful, natural person. There wasn't mm-hmm. the slightest bit of pretense about him. He was a marvelous conversationalist. He was extremely funny. He had very wide-ranging interests. We traveled all over the world. We went to very nice places. We just enjoyed ourselves on a certain level. But what was so remarkable about him is that, this is the way I put it recently, he was never rattled, no matter what happened, um, no matter whether plans crashed, whether uh, we went through a long period of time when people were suing us and were, I mean, we went through a big period of litigation and not everybody thought he was wonderful and, you know, all of the different things that happened to a person. We had endless financial troubles and things that were supposed to work didn't work. I mean, in the midst of success, you always have the other side. I never saw him rattled. He made the statement that he made a decision that there was no point in letting anything that happened disturb his inner peace. And watching someone actually live that in a, over, over literally decades in a wide variety of circumstances, it, it helps you to understand that this can be done. And then he would talk about how he would do it. There's a very strong relationship between breath and your state of mind. There's a very strong relationship between faith and a greater reality and your state of mind. There's the fact of um, what is the purpose of life. Is is the purpose of life that we have many unlearned lessons and that God, uh, God and the life are always sending you the opportunity to become stronger and better and more loving and more aware? Do we regard the difficulties that we face as some kind of a punishment or do we simply see them as an opportunity to understand ourselves and our own potential on a higher level? And, I mean, I'll give you an example just of the way Swamiji was and the way he thought. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of the principles of self-realization involve reincarnation so that just has to be part of the conversation if we're really going to try to expand our consciousness to infinity it just takes more than one incarnation to do it and it's a very classic teaching and fundamental well i met swamiji when i was 22 and i began to work for him as a secretary and as a personal assistant and i've always been very articulate and and forceful in my ideas whether i have any wisdom behind them or not. And so over the years that I worked with him, I always had a point of view, and he always asked for my point of view, and he always listened very respectfully to it. And quite a few times he allowed my point of view to carry the day. Um, And he rarely contradicted me, and he never referred to the fact that I was young and, and inexperienced. And even though in retrospect I see how many times I really didn't know what I was talking about, but I was so forceful 
and he was so respectful that he allowed me to learn by doing rather than thwarting me by saying, well, I'm a direct disciple. I've been on the spiritual path much longer than you. I'm in charge here. Never, not once, never. Mm-hmm. And then I, I so grew up. There was never up. an ego thing with him. He, never his ego an was ego gone. Thing. Okay. And there was no ego there. Plus, he knew that the way to cultivate me was to give me confidence in myself and even mm-hmm. if or to or to let me have the experience i needed to learn so i become 45 and 50 and i'm running a community and i'm working with people who are in their 20s and i'm suddenly in the same chronological relationship to people i'm working with that he was into me and i see that many of the people who are wonderful people have very little experience and they don't know what they're talking about and there's this thought that crosses my mind you know to assert authority or um, in some way to just get my way but because Swamiji showed me what supportive leadership really looks like I, I know that that's not really going to bring about the result that I want and even if I have an inclination to be more impatient than he I can master my feelings so that's the first part of it then I go to him after this realization comes and I say Swamiji I want to thank you. In all the years that I've known you, you have never once referred to either to my age or my lack of experience. And he accepted my appreciation. He accepted it graciously. But I could tell by the expression in his eyes that he had a different thought. And after he did that, he went on and he said, this is what he said, I never referred to it because I never noticed. Mm -hmm. He said, I never think of people in terms of their chronological, physical age. He said, mm-hmm. I just think of them in terms of their spirit. And when wow. I look into someone's eyes, he said, I don't, I don't see the body. I just see the spirit coming out of the eyes. He said, even children, they don't look like an age to me. They're just a spirit. And so I treat them accordingly. You, many times mm-hmm. through the years, I would think he had a lot of self-discipline and a good attitude. And then I would learn later that he just had a whole different perception of reality. You know, he wasn't disciplining himself. He was just seeing the world differently than I was seeing it. But by paying a lot of attention, I began to understand how to move into that world that he, that he lived in. And he, you know, just opened the door. A lot of it is osmosis. And then a great deal of it is just very intelligent, very practical teaching, and that's what I pass on. You know, when you're faced with this issue, think about these things. Do this practice. With my, I was laughing because I've been married now for more than 30 years, and mm-hmm. when I was younger, when I was younger, I was more emotional as a wife, and things would happen, and I remember being upset, and I, I was inclined to cry a lot more. I, 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 I rarely cry about things now, but I used to cry a lot. And I remember realizing that because there is this close relationship between breath and your state of consciousness, that if I was crying or felt like crying, and I did even rhythmical breathing, just even just mm-hmm. to walk at a fast pace so you have to breathe steady, that would, that would interrupt the emotional cycle and I wouldn't cry. But then I discovered, wow. that, I wa- but then I discovered that I wanted to cry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't want to be calm. I didn't want mm-hmm. to be self-controlled. I just wanted to float out into that 
realm of and, mostly... and feel it. Let the things go through you that you needed to feel. Well, yeah. it was questionable in my mind whether I really needed to feel them or not because it was usually tears of anger or tears of um, what was the frustration, word? self pity. That's the word I'm looking self-pity, for. Self pity, yeah. We all kind of go there, and um, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, you can need we to not hide. Can go we ahead. take a one second break here, and we're going to come back and. We're going to finish this with you, um, or actually not finish. We're just going to explore some more. I have so many more questions. I really do hope you have time. I Um, do. So let's take a really quick break real quick here. And, again, uh, this is Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. If you tuned in late, the show will be available on iTunes afterwards and on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio on demand. And we will be back shortly. We'll be right back with more Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media. connection with their children. Now meet the woman who can help you get it and keep it, Dr. Shafali Sabari. In all my 25 years of The Oprah Show, I've never heard such revolutionary and spot-on advice. This is so big, we needed two shows. For the first time ever, wake up with us in the morning on Super Soul Sunday. And then, the same night, we're taking the conversation to the Life Class Social Lab. A new way of looking at parenting that will change your child's life and yours. Sunday, Super Soul Sunday at 11 a.m. 10 Central. Oprah's Life Class at 9, 8 Central. Only here. So what does it mean to be a conscious parent? A conscious parent is not one who seeks to fix her child or seek to produce or create the perfect child. This is not about perfection. The conscious parent understands that this journey has been undertaken. This child has been called forth to raise the parent itself, to show the parent where the parent yet has to grow. This is why we call our children into our lives. Wow. You know, on Super Soul Sunday, we use the word conscious and consciousness interchangeably with spiritual yes. and interchangeably, I think, consciousness, awareness, spirituality are all the same. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Definitely. As a parent, however, it becomes slightly different because the parent-child relationship, I think, is like none other. It's like none other. Because what other relationship will bring you to the call of your ego like the one you have with your child? I mean, children will trigger us like no one else because they are ours, my child. I will be a parent. I'm going to be the best mother. You know, we enter the journey thinking that our children will fulfill this idealized version of ourselves. And every time they do that, we applaud them. But every time they fall short of that, that's when we get triggered and we get activated. But what our children are really doing is showing us a mirror to our undeveloped self. And that's such an amazing show. I 
tune in this Sunday to uh, the OWN Network. And we're happy to be working with the OWN Network and the Oprah Winfrey Network. If anybody doesn't know what OWN is, Super Soul Sunday. And I'm so glad to have Asha here with us today um, because I really think, Asha, that um, this um, finding happiness and a lot of what you've done, I'm sorry my voice is kind of, I, I, I can talk, it's just, um, it's just a little bit raspy, I apologize. Everybody's hearing the little deep voice on me today. <laughs> <laughs> but Asha, um, I am so happy you're here because we were talking um, before we went to break, we were talking about some of the experiences that you learned in your journey um, in when you were working with other people and now where you have come to today and your book that is going to be released soon. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you, I'd like to ask you, in that book that's soon to be released, and you had given us a few of the questions that kind of sort of have been to be part of this book, mm-hmm. which, do you have any questions in that book that anyone asked that really made you say, aha, you know, that was an aha moment for you, and you grabbed onto that, and it was something that made you think that you would like to share with us? Well, there was one question that took me a really long time to find out what the answer was, and Mm -hmm. the man started, the question was, I keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and no Mm -hmm. matter how hard I want to change myself, I can't seem to do it. And that's, of course, a question. I get that question all over the world. Almost every single class I get, I give, mm-hmm. I get that question in one form or another. And what I finally understood was you naturally think I'm not trying hard enough is, is what the answer is. I don't have enough willpower. And then you want lots of tips for how to develop more willpower. Mm-hmm. What What I've realized is that personal journey is is a great deal like an apple seed becoming an apple tree we have an apple tree in the backyard here where i live and i eat the apples and then i see the seeds and the seeds are so tiny and the apple tree is so big but within each of those apple seeds is the full potential to become an apple tree but in order for it to reach that greatly expanded reality There are a series of stages, and not one of them can be skipped. The Mm -hmm. seed has to to sprout. The sprout has to grow. The sprout has to thicken. It has to become a twig. It has to become a sapling. The sapling has to get a trunk. I mean, every single stage. And no matter how much we might be able to see that apple tree is what we're going to become and how eager we are to be able to give everybody apples, if mm-hmm. if if we try to just act like an apple tree when we're really just a sapling where the sprout the where the trunk is just thickening right now we will always fail at being an apple tree because we aren't an apple tree and what i see people the mistake that i see people make a great deal of the time is that they are right where they are they're doing exactly what they need to be doing but they really wish that they were a lot better and different than they are. And they'll often take on tasks that are really not their own next step because their own next step is 
um, too humble often, too unromantic. We, I put it this way. We try to work out somebody else's karma. We just like, that karma looks better to me. So I'm going to keep mm-hmm. trying to be an apple tree, but I'm not producing any apples because my job right now is just to make my trunk thicker. Mm-hmm. And, and to have the faith that if I just put one foot in front of the other, I'm going to end up where I need to be. And above all, to have the humility to realize that I may not really like who I am right now or what I'm doing, but if this is who I am, I'm not going to get out of it by being at war with myself all the time. Mm-hmm. I just need to realize this is how I really feel. And we were talking before about, I was saying I, I could make myself stop crying, but I didn't want to. It's, mm-hmm. it's like we can't hide from our feelings, and sometimes people misunderstand when we start talking about a yogic way of life. It's not like we're afraid of what we feel. Or, or we don't, or we're afraid to feel it. If, if one tries, this is the same thing. One tries to be always even-minded and calm, because, but the actual motivation for that is the fear of what you actually feel inside. That you, you'll constantly fail at that effort, even if you can make it work for a while, it'll blow up at on you after a while. But once we really are able to just settle in. And, and say, I'm angry about this, I'm afraid about that, I'm really not that disciplined about this, and even though I, I want to, to look like a spiritually aspiring person, I'm really attached to sex, food, money, fame, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then just say, okay, given this is my reality, how can I move this reality to its next highest dimension? There's always a forward step. I remember once Swamiji had asked something of me that was really just more than I could do. And in the early years of my life with him, I would pretend that I was doing things, even when I wasn't, even though, as he put it to me very sweetly, you never fooled me. I finally realized, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it came to a big head. He said, you never fooled Uh me. I always knew what you really felt. I said to him, what Mm -hmm. a waste of time. And from that point, Mm -hmm. I tried to be sincere so I said, sir, you asked me to do this. Honestly, I just can't. And without missing a beat, he just said, well, so much for theory. Let's work with reality. And he had a genius wow. for just thinking about what you really could do. This woman mm-hmm. came to me for counseling once, and her life mm-hmm. was such a mess. I mean, she was she was losing it on every level. You know, the family life was in pieces. Sure. The financial life was in pieces. She was having trouble with her health, everything. So first, I, I teased her a little. I shocked her, but I teased her. I said, well, the good news is everything is going away, so you get to rebuild from the bottom up. <laughs> everything you don't like. <laughs> you don't. So you get to start off. Oh, my God. Because she, she, hor- she must have been like, oh, my God. No. So <laughs> she looked horrified, and then she saw. Uh-huh. I think she felt what I was trying to get her to see, and she began uh-huh. to laugh. I said, well, it obviously uh-huh. wasn't perfect, so now you just jettison the whole bunch of it, and you just get to start uh-huh. again. <laughs> but what, Not what we want to hear, but the truth. It's I the mean, truth. come on. The truth. Yeah. The truth is the most important part, right? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nobody so, com- I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, no, Go that's ahead. all right. No, nobody comes to talk to me unless they want a clear, simple statement of the truth. Uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm a truth teller. It's just my uh-huh. characteristic. But anyway, this woman, so everything was a mess. 
And really, uh-huh. it was a mess. I couldn't figure it out either. It was awful. I said, I, so I said to her, I said, is there anything in your life that lifts your energy, that makes you feel even the slightest bit optimistic and positive? Yeah. And she said, she said, well, I really enjoy riding my bike. I said, well, I think you should ride your bike as much as you possibly can. And every time you start getting really worried about all these really big problems that you really do have, I said, just get on your bike and just go ride it. And she looked at me again like I was nuts. I said, just trust me, just try it. So she followed my advice, and I saw her two weeks later. And she was like, everything was beginning to work better. Because what was happening... What was happening was she was falling into this pit, not only of negative thinking, negative feeling, mm-hmm. but she was creating negative magnetism. So the mm-hmm. Bible says, you know, even that which you have will be taken away from you because the magnetism was going down and down. When she rode her bike, she started feeling optimistic. And what began to happen to her, no surprise, she began to think of solutions while she was riding her bike. Because See, the, yeah. it was the catalyst. It was a catalyst. You, you created it in her mind. She told you what she really felt really helped her and it helped clear her mind. She did mm-hmm. it. She listened to you and mm-hmm. or she took your advice and mm-hmm. it really helped her probably focus more. I mean, I know when I become really overwhelmed, there are certain things that I can do that really clear my head. Um right. and it's really kind of hard sometimes, but I totally get what you're saying, and I think that, that that's that's amazing. That's really cool that you did that for her. Um, did did things come together for her since then? Yeah, or? in fact. Well, it was a big mess, and so nothing ever, it, it never went back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it went forward. It went forward to become what it needed to become next because there was a lot of learning. You know, there was a, a karma is unlearned lessons. And unlearned yeah, lessons... You, yeah, to explain yeah. karma to people that don't know. Well, karma is 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 a, like the same as the laws of physics. It's every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Karma mm-hmm. is how that plays out in human life. And in human life, um, everything that we do has consequences. And so it's just cause and effect in human life is what karma is. Now, of course, you have to add in reincarnation because sometimes the cause was put in at a time you don't remember, but mm-hmm. the story is still playing itself out. I mean, imagine you do something very unscrupulous and you get away with it. And, and you know, you just everybody finishes their life and you think you've gotten away with it. But you've, you've uh, set, sent out this unscrupulous negative action and... To imagine that there are no consequences of such an action is very naive. But then what happens in the incarnation when it strikes you is it seems so unfair. But it isn't unfair. It's an unlearned lesson, an unlearned lesson of generosity, of love, of forgiveness, of courage. Because the premise of karma is this, that there is... A, a pure happiness and a, a pure freedom that is attainable by every human being. Finding happiness, that's the name of our movie. And mm-hmm. so what we don't know about our own 
capacity to be a perfect expression of, of divine love and divine freedom, we get to keep learning. If we think, I've got to have this much money, I've got to have this man as my husband, I've got to have hips of a certain dimension, you know, before I can be happy, then we get to have experiences where we get to ask the question, you know, where does my happiness come from? And we mm-hmm. we get we learn those lessons in two ways. We either get what we want and get to experience how much happiness it will give us, which is always some, sometimes a great deal, but that we always, everyone always feels, you know, the richest people, the most famous people, the most beautiful people, even all of that. It's not that it's bad. It's that we were made for more. And that, that, awakens, within, that awakens within us. And we, mm-hmm. we begin to... In the, in the Finding Happiness movie, one of the scenes is told by a, a couple named Jyotish and Devi. A lot of us have Indian names. These are American people, but they're mm-hmm. Sanskrit names. And in 1976, which was now quite a long time ago, but it was extremely real when it happened, community had been in existence a little less than 10 years. And with tremendous amount of effort, we had managed to build in the community area, we'd built 22 homes. And a forest fire came. And in a matter of hours, 21 of those 22 homes were absolutely burned to the ground. And 450 of the 900 acres we owned were just absolutely black. I mean, it's quite an experience. I was there it's quite an experience to see Mother Nature in that form. She was really sure. impressive. She was really impressive. Now, Davy, mm-hmm. who tells this story, she and Jotish have one son. That boy was 11 days old when the fire hit. And their house absolutely burned to ash. They lost everything, including wow. where they lived, everything. And she mm-hmm. had taken, she'd gone with a friend into into the town. Our community is a little out from the the, the the little town there, she'd mm-hmm. taken the baby to the doctor that day. And so she's gone with the baby with her friend. They drive back. They see this thick black smoke. She drives onto the land, and, you know, everything's in flames or just smoking. And she's holding her first child in her arms, who's you know, literally not even mm-hmm. two weeks old. And the house that she and her husband had lived in, we built these geodesic domes, and it was very hard to waterproof them. So that house was always leaking. We had a lot of rain. It was always leaking. Her husband walks right up to her. She's there holding the baby. He looks right at her, and he says, Well, honey, we don't have any more problems with that leaky roof. Not ever again. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. I love that. And immediately it was like, okay. This has happened. We don't have a house. Uh-huh. We don't have diapers for the baby. We don't have anything. But what's wrong? We have each other. We can laugh. And, and nothing has really been lost. A lot of stuff wow. was lost, but nothing mm-hmm. was really lost. Just monetarial, just things that people don't realize. There's so much more to just things. Right. There's us. There's, yeah, there's a, a living person. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. lose that. They don't understand that. And that's one thing that I really wanted you to explain that. And um, I'm so glad you explained karma. 
another thing I want to ask you is can you explain ego, um, what ego is to people and how that really affects people? That's a very, very good question. Um, mm-hmm. Yogan, Yogananda and Kriyananda gave a, what I think is a brilliant answer to that. Ego is not really your enemy. It's, it's a fact. It's a, it's, a, it's a level of consciousness, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you think of that we can, we're progressing, then you're, you're somewhere. We, we each of us have within us, we are an individualized expression of, of infinite consciousness. We are a bubble in the ocean of spirit. There's no the word soul is the best word that we have in English. There's actually a word in Sanskrit. I don't usually use Sanskrit, but there's no good word in English. The word is jiva, and that means the bubble jiva. in the infinite sea. Uh-huh. Jiva. Okay, so the in, the the bubble that is actually part of the infinite sea incarnates in a physical body, and then it forgets its infinite reality and it identifies with this one body. And identifying with this body, suddenly you're either female or you're male, you're either American or you're some other nationality, you're either 22 or you're 46 or you're 64, you speak certain languages, you like certain things, these are my children, this is my husband, this is my house. If you think about it, it all starts when you identify yourself with this one body. Now, the truth is that we are just a bubble in the infinite sea and that the bubble mm-hmm. is as much the sea as it is the bubble but but ego is when we identify only with the bubble and then a whole host of wow. troubles start after that yep and so what but happens to us as I we expand our awareness as we expand mm-hmm. our awareness we just identify with more and more of what we really are that's what it is to transcend the ego you still live mm-hmm. in your body. You still, this is my husband, these are my children, this is my house. But you don't define or identify yourself as only that. Uh, and also, I am part of the world family. I am part of God's creation. I am one with nature. Um, when this body dies, my consciousness will continue. Before this body manifested, my consciousness existed. And then, and then we live through this one cycle, but this is just one of many cycles. There's tremendous uh, power in that, and it's it's a, it's a very simple thought. You shift your your what you identify with. Already mm-hmm. we see it. You see, people used to identify vehemently, for example, with being part of one country. And if you mm-hmm. weren't part of my country, you were terrible. If you weren't right. part of my if you weren't part of my race, you were terrible. You know, mm-hmm. if you weren't part of my social set, you were terrible. But you see, all of those things start with the body that you're in. And already, societally, you see, we have a much greater awareness. Racism, um, you know, excessive um, cultural snobbism, uh, class status, so on. All of that's dissolving on, on that uh, as a society and as individuals. We just don't identify mm-hmm. that deeply with it anymore. The question is, how f- how far can we go? How how far can we expand? Oh, I I understand that. I I just hear the word ego a lot, and 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 um, 
it can be taken literally and it can be taken out of content. So yeah. really to say, oh, you're just all about ego or it's all about what you're feeling for you, it's really all about, it's really what you said. It's um, something that we need to um, come to terms with and also it's part of us. Um well, it's like if you say someone's all about ego, what you're saying is you're so deeply identified with your own part of this picture that you're not sympathetic or perceiving accurately or taking also as your responsibility the rest of the picture. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. exactly right. You know, you're thinking about my position and I'm not. you're not thinking about the people around you because you're so identified. Exactly. Think, you can my, identify yeah. with what's going on, so it's like you kind of lose yourself in there. Exactly. I, I get that, and yeah. I think that, I think a lot of people don't, they mis, misunderstand because we've all been taught certain things and we've all been raised a certain way to think certain yeah. things, so I can understand where people would, would think ego is like a thing that's really taking over and um, you're not really being true to yourself because of your ego. Um, if 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 I can say that to someone, then there's obviously something that I can identify with yes. what they're doing, is yes. what you're saying. Yes, yep. that's part of it, exactly. Yeah, I hear it. I mean, and for example, that's interesting. You know, a lot of the finance, the financial people. Mm-hmm. Um, were so identified with their own capacity to become wealthy that they mm-hmm. didn't think about all the other people who might be hurt by what they were doing. That whether it was that was an act of, of intense ego, because they're so identified with their own interests that nobody else's interests were real to them. Mm-hmm. And when you when you begin to transcend your ego even to a small extent you realize that if that person is hurt, it's not the right action for me either because Mm -hmm. I'm identifying with a greater good than just my little good. Exactly. And if you can, if you can see, if you can see your, that, then you obviously are part of it. I totally get that. That's very important. I think that's a very important lesson that we learn out of anything. Um, and you are just so amazing with your you've obviously been through a lot and i know that you have and you've grown and you've been taught and you're still learning every day and oh every as day I've always every said, single day you know yeah, yeah and i've always said the best things i've ever learned in my life have been through my children because mm-hmm. or you know the the innocence that is there that comes and speaks to me Mm-hmm. Um, and in your book, you were talking a little bit about some of the questions people asked. Mm-hmm. I, um, you mentioned one about UFOs. <laughs> yes, I would like aliens. to talk about that <laughs> okay. because that's something that's really becoming very, very, yeah. very high profile in our world right now. We're yeah. talking a lot about what's out there. And I mean, yeah. my own personal my own personal thing is because, and you and I haven't talked enough personally on the side to know anything to tell you uh-huh. this, but I personally have had three angel encounters. I don't know uh-huh. if they were 
beings from another place or I believe uh-huh. it was just a spiritual energy around me. But uh-huh. I have had, I, and you and I will talk later, but I've had personal three different angel encounters. And um, they're not, they weren't just things where I was alone. There was one time I was with somebody and the person was there. So, yeah. and then they weren't there. And yep. then cross, I um, crossed over when I was seven and told to come back. So I know there's a lot of truth to spirituality versus religion. I mean, we talk okay. about that a lot. I think that we're all spiritual. I think that we all have it in us. It's it's there. But um, what what what's your what's your thoughts on the um, UFO situation? Well, it's always seemed to me, actually, when I was in, my disenchantment with formal education began early, but I was in the fifth grade, and mm-hmm. I had a teacher whose name was Mrs. Pugh, and I mm-hmm. actually, in retrospect, I admire anybody with the last name of Pugh being willing to teach elementary <laughs> school, because you can imagine uh-huh. how, how we savaged her behind her back. But she stood up in front of the class, and it was science, and she described to us, and I no longer remember, but it's this classic Three conditions are required for life to exist, and it had to do with air and water and stuff like that. The elements, yeah. Yeah, whatever they were, the elements of Mm -hmm. life. And she she said, no other planet has these elements, therefore there's no life on any other planet. Well, I mean, that premise itself, we don't know what's on other planets. But then I raised my hand and asked, asked what was the most obvious question. Well, couldn't there be a life form? that has adapted to different conditions. And Mrs. Pugh said, no. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow. Mrs. Pugh doesn't know what she's talking about. Because, of course, there could be. And it's always seemed just so stunningly arrogant, well, let's use the word egotistical, to imagine, mm-hmm. and also to my mind, intensely depressing, to think that this is the apex of all possibilities, the planet we're living on that no, there's nothing else in all that vast universe. And just, it's, well, I think it's on the surface simply ludicrous. It's true, you know, that they haven't quite got it all documented. Yogananda's comment when asked, and he had the perception to know, oh, he said, the universe is teeming with life. Everything is conscious. Everything is consciousness, and there's life everywhere. There's countless planets. Some are more regress than ours and some are are much more highly advanced and there's an essential unity to all life forms because wherever we live whatever planet we live whatever whatever stage of evolution that planet is in um, there is one drama and that drama is the bubble returning to the sea it's the bubble that has become identified with the limited reality and gradually expanding its identity to an unlimited reality. So Hmm. I think all, you know, we have scientific proof of all these UFO sightings and so on, but it serves the cause of the people who are running the planet right now to pretend they're not happening. No, absolutely, because they don't want anyone to freak out. But you keep referring to bubble, which is really interesting, because my, my second mom and I, have the saying that when we feel um, there's a little bit of animosity around us, we put ourselves in our pink bubble, uh-huh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> nice. like protection yeah. bubble. And I yeah. know she's listening right now, and I and and I want uh-huh. 
to ask you, what does bubble mean? You've referred to bubble quite a few times, so I want to know what does the bubble mean to you? Well, I'm using it entirely as an image so that a person can imagine that you're looking at a vast ocean and the ocean is a whole reality and yet you can see individual individual bubbles floating there. So you mm-hmm. can have the whole and you can have the individual happening simultaneously. What I'm what you're calling at that. What you're yeah. talking about your pink bubble I would call your aura or the okay. magnetic I mean less less poetically but the magnetic field around you. I'm going to just mm-hmm. put myself in a magnetic field of of pink light. And That's a good one. And yeah. that light has a certain vibration. And, you know, when people sing together, um, if you hit a note and someone else hits exactly the same note, you know, your energy just blends together beautifully. If you're mm-hmm. just a little off, your voices won't quite go together. Well, the same thing is true with the vibration of our consciousness, the vibration of our energy field. Even if you want to think of colors, you know, colors are all vibrations of light. And so if if there's a vibration around us that we don't want to take in, if mm-hmm. we generate a vibration that's incompatible with that, then it won't be able to come in. It it, it won't that blend. That is great. That is yeah. a great, that's a great analogy. Now, I understand what vibrational energy is, but to our listeners... And to people, and I want to say again, if you would like to call in, I've extended the show a couple of times. Um, our number is three four seven six seven seven one zero three six, and Asha will be with us for a little bit longer. And if you have any questions, why don't you give us a call, Asha? Um, can you explain to our listeners um, what a vibrational level and energy is? and how we always vibrate on a different level. Yeah. Let's start by just people people feel vibrations. You you, you come into your own home, and generally speaking, you you feel really comfortable there because Mm -hmm. the vibration of your house has been created by you, and you feel it. Mm -hmm. And you'll go into maybe a a church you particularly like or a, a park or a natural setting, and you feel something that is more than just, it's not physical. You feel at home there. You feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. You might attribute it to what you're seeing outside, but it's also just what you feel. You meet certain people, and there's a, a, sometimes an immediate simpatico. You're, mm-hmm. you're somehow or another just thinking of two singers standing next to each other. Somehow the vibration of the way you are matches and it goes together or it harmonizes. It either blends or it harmonizes. And some people you meet will be of such a different attitude toward life that there's, there's just no match between you. And you might, you might even think their vibrations are bad. But what's happening is um, this is an energy universe. I mean, this is a scientific fact. Um, this has been a spiritual truth for a long time, but now it's a scientific fact. What we think of as solid matter is really just energy vibrating. It looks different. It feels different. It doesn't all smush together because the vibrations are different. Well, thoughts are a vibration. The feelings of the heart are a vibration. If you think of a piano keyboard from one end to the other and the piano tuner comes 
each one of those notes is a specific vibration of the you know sound is oscillating at a certain speed and nowadays they have machines and he can calibrate the piano you can tune a guitar with a machine that'll make the vibration just right well we're all walking around all the time and our thoughts our feelings our our definition of what's real what we perceive um as as truth and as we were talking about people who are very arrogant or egotistical and indifferent mm-hmm. to other people's feelings that's a mm-hmm. vibration on a scale between perfect happiness love and freedom and none of it and so that person vibrates with everything that he or she is everything he thinks everything he feels um the we are an energy pattern that manifests in a physical way but behind that physicality there's an energy pattern and that energy pattern is vibrating and we're picking it up all the time we just don't know what we're picking up that's so interesting that is very true and when people talk about dimensions and going into the third or the fourth dimension and and being able to travel into different dimensions do you have any anything you would like to say about that well we live on the physical plane in which t- time and space Um, On this level of reality, time and space are real. So if someone dies, they're not present on this level of reality anymore. If someone's uh, on the other other side of the world, there's a lot of space between you. You, We can't, as long as we're just living identified with our physical bodies and defined by them, we can't bridge those realities. But as the vibrations get more subtle, and move closer and closer to the realm of pure spirit or even just pure energy if you want to think of it like that Th- those at those levels of reality time and space um don't necessarily exist in the same way so you can you you make your vibration more subtle and this is what the whole process of well the life that I'm living is about you make your vibration more subtle and and the the rules of reality at that level are different. And what you do then is really not at all unusual. It's unusual from this level of reality, but it's not unusual from that level of reality. If time mm-hmm. is dissolved, you can see people who have left this planet but still exist and you can talk to them. If uh you can dissolve space, you can you can perceive or you can even put yourself in places that are on the other side of the world when you're in the material reality but are right there in front of you when you're not. You can unify your thoughts with people who are at a great distance because on the level of, of thought, time and space don't exist. And, and everybody everybody experiences a little of that. You know you call someone on the phone and the friend says, I was just thinking of you. You write an mm-hmm. email to someone who's in Calcutta, India, and they say, I was just wondering about this very point. And yeah, you tune in. Yeah, it's like you, you two in. are tuning in to that same vibrational exactly. or that same that same energy. I heard exactly. a train go by. Was that a train? That was a train. I live near a train Trains track. fascinate me. The uh-huh. sound of trains, they do. The sound of trains actually 
I don't know. There's something about it that just kind of, it's a very soothing sound to me. Isn't that funny? And I actually uh wrote a poem about um, trains, about people um, with their luggage and um, that the train came to pick them up. They were going to the next destination and that sometimes people don't always get on that train with that luggage because it's not their train to catch, but maybe the next train that comes will be the one that they're supposed to be on. And there's a lot, yeah, it, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Just there's a lot like of wonderful this, imagery. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I, I'm going to send you some of my writings because I think you'll okay. really enjoy them. But, um, I'd love to. You know, I, we've covered so many things, and I mean, I think it's so, it's just so interesting that we can know that we're not crazy. There are people uh-huh. out there, we're all going through it. And yeah. as Asha was telling you when she was younger, she was going through all different kinds of different moments and, and feelings of wanting to cry and and, and this and, just, and, and, and and things. And it's normal for us to go through that. But and we still do, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I did that. I totally get it. And yeah. I think the matter of what's important out of this conversation about that part of it is that we tune in to what's really going on around us to really understand why we're feeling the way we are. Yes. And what and what we and what is the best way to respond to it? If you mm-hmm. want to say what is the unlearned lesson and how can I begin to learn it? Mm-hmm. And it's a very it's a very personal issue. I mean, for example, sometimes people learn, need to learn to be more tolerant and sometimes people need to have more self-respect and therefore just stand up for yourself. So it just entirely depends on where, what you particularly need to do in order to move forward. It's what the not message about, is from that. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. Exactly, and, and, and where the holes are in your own understanding. And so what's right for one person, because you see the other way to put it is that it's directional. And if mm-hmm. you, when Mahatma Gandhi was in the middle of trying to free India from the British, if he had decided that he was so famous he could now go back to being a lawyer and he would get really rich, everyone would think that was a step backwards. But if somebody who was nothing but a lazy bum finally got up and went to law school and opened a practice and got rich, for him that would be a step forward. So it really just depends on where you're standing and what the gaps are, how much you already know, and then what the next step is for you, um, what oh, you have absolutely. to learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, this year we've had people pass on to the next place, and I always say the next place. I, mm-hmm. I just feel, feel that that's what it is because we go to the next place. Um, I think the the one... The one person that really, really um, struck me this year when they left was when um, we had some of our leaders leave that we had believed in so long for so many years. And um, I think that we're foolish if we say that certain things don't affect us. Um, I think that we all need to feel what we're feeling at that moment and not deny ourselves from that because 
I'm finding a lot of people when they kind of push it to the back, then it kind of manifests itself in other ways. Don't you agree? Well, well yes. You to suppress is not the same as to transcend something. To suppress mm-hmm. it is because there's a fear of relating to it, so we want to push it out of our awareness. But it doesn't. It it's it's it still has its full power. It's just been pushed into the corner. To transcend it, and this is, I think, where this reconciles, is I was talking about levels of reality. So mm-hmm. I am I am in a physical body. I do have friends and relationships. Certain people are particularly dear to me, particularly influential, whether I personally know them or not. And And naturally then, the things that happen in relation to what I'm personally involved in will have a profound personal effect on me. There's no way to pretend that it doesn't. At the same time, because of my sincere meditation practice and my um, cultivating a relationship with God and a higher reality, simultaneously I realize that I also exist on higher planes of awareness. And so from a certain plane of awareness, I could say, you know, this is all just the river moving as the way it has to move. This is just the different trains coming by, however you want to think about it. And I can be very detached and very philosophical about it and very confident. Somebody who was dear to me is now in another place, but our, we will come back together. The love that we have for each other will bring us back together at some time I can't yet see. So mm-hmm. on that level, I can be very free and happy. And at the same time, I'll miss them, or I'm disappointed, or I realize that something I really loved is just over. And it's perfectly appropriate. And again, I watched this in Swami Kriyananda to come back to him. He was he was he he felt things very deep, very deeply, and he would he would weep when it was appropriate to weep. But there was also simultaneously this other level that was also going on, where if I put my if I put my eyes close to the little little moment, this is what's happening. If I stand back, I also see the greater picture. And in a, mm-hmm. in a most peculiar way, you just live on all those levels at the same time. And that's where that's why when Davy's house burned down, her husband could joke about it because there was no denying, and it was a, you know it was a hard summer. It, it came in the first of the summer. There was a a lot of work to rebuild everything, so it was a big challenge and it was also just fine both things happened exactly at the same time and they were like parallel realities and Mm -hmm. we can just live in all of them oh yeah absolutely and um the person i was referring to that really really hurt well not hurt but it just affected me was Mm -hmm. when nelson mandela left Mm -hmm. um that was really the end of an era isn't it oh well let me tell you I mean, he certainly went through so much, and mm-hmm. there were so mm-hmm. many lessons that we all learned, I think. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that we learned from mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And um, I I just at times feel so so much from that, because that was like when I heard, but at least he was at peace, you know, and now he's doing his work in other places, which is where he's supposed to be. So, well, by by any measure, his life was a success. I mean, he was a world changer. He showed extraordinary personal fortitude. 
Uh, he had amazing loyalty to his ideals, mm-hmm. but time passes and everyone dies. So, and and things change. The only certainty in life is change. That's the that's the great uh, secret of living happily is to not either be su- surprised or dismayed by the fact that nothing will ever remain the same on this level of reality. There is mm-hmm. an unchanging level that we can also feel simultaneously, but on this la- it's it's the waves on the surface of the sea are always going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. If we embrace the whole totality of the ocean, then we see that the waves are happening, but they're just the surface of the sea. There's a, a depth beneath it, beneath it we can also live in. Our practice. Oh, absolutely. Is spir- yeah, our practice. Totally is agree with you on people. that one. Yeah, so just. Yeah, you know, you mm-hmm. and I have covered so many beautiful subjects today, and I know there was something else I wanted to say or ask you because you're you have so much knowledge on this. Um, what would you um, what would you say that from this show? How do you feel about the show? Um, how do you feel that it's, it has really helped our listeners? And you've got a lot of really great things that you've put out there. Um, what would well, you hope the show would do? Well, my my name is Asha, which is a name that Swami Kriyananda gave me. And that mm-hmm. word actually means hope. And my my commitment in life is and my I would put it differently my prayer in life is that somehow or another something of the tremendous hope for a, a better world and for a better uh, personal experience that Swami Kriyananda managed to convey to me that some just little spark of that um, goes into people that I that I touch in whatever way and it occurs to them I can do it. I have, I, mm-hmm. I can do it. Whatever it is, whatever the it is that's in front of it, them, I can do this. I can make this better. I can find a happier way to live. I'm not a victim. I'm not trapped. There's always something I can do. There's always hope. There's always a way forward. And whatever that forward is, as I said, it's different for everyone. We're all little apple seeds, trying to become apple trees, and we have to concentrate at the task on the task at hand. And just do it as well as we can, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and that will just that will automatically lead us to the next step. That's the past and future that you were asking about a while ago. It's like, mm-hmm. well, whatever's whatever's past and whatever's future, there's always something right in front of me that needs to be taken care of, whatever it is. And if I just take care of business, do it with a, as joyous a heart, as kind a nature, as calm a reality, or as powerful reality we're not being nice isn't always the goal sometimes we just need power and energy but if i just take care of business just take care of business moment by moment then everything has a way of just resolving itself and Mm -hmm. to have to have the courage and the optimism uh, to be able to tackle it whatever it is um is always is, is always beneficial and it's a great joy if I can be part of that. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I know you and I could talk forever. 
I think so. <laughs> um, and I am going to definitely come and see you when you come back from your trip. Um, mm-hmm. You do have your new book coming out, so everybody can look for that. What right. events do you have coming up that anyone could possibly attend to well, meet you? If you go, um, if you go on the Naya Swami N A Y A S W A M I Asha Naya Swami Asha, or just type in Asha, you'll gradually mm-hmm. find me. Um, yeah, uh, and you'll go to my website. I'm I, right now. I'm going to be on the East Coast the first week of June. I'll be in Los Angeles the first week of August. I'll be in New Zealand in October. But I'm mm-hmm. always on the internet. I'm always. Everything that I do is posted on the YouTube channel that has my name. Oh, and absolutely. Just start there, and everything leads to everything else, if you're interested. And check into the Finding Happiness movie, because everything, everything we've been talking about is, is manifested before your eyes, and a great deal, which sounds theoretical when I'm talking about it, turns into actual experience when you see the people who are living according to these ideals. It mm-hmm. Suddenly it's just like, oh, I understand. I've, I can see what this is about. I can see how it relates to me, which is the main point. Oh, to absolutely. oneself is what I mean. And mm-hmm. you are on the net, and if anyone would like to reach you, they can reach you through your website. And if Easily. anyone cannot reach you through your website, if you could kindly call me or send me an email, I will be happy to get you in connection um, with mm-hmm. Asha. And um, I do have one person that likes to call everybody that's been on my show, and I would really like it if you would not do that. Um, if you would like to get in touch with the people, please contact me and let me know. Um, just say, putting that out there because we've had some issues lately and people getting calls and they're like, who is this? <laughs> it's so, all right, I don't mind. I want you to know. Yeah, and so I think that this has been an amazing show for a lot of people. I think that you've touched on so many things. Um, the one thing I didn't ask you about was prayer and meditation. Okay. Um, do you want to briefly well, talk about prayer? Certainly. Well, because that's important. Oh, I yes, pray. it's very important. It's very important. All day. I think one of the the really big needs of our time is to understand that the ego is not the last word, that we are part of a greater reality, and that that greater reality is consciously trying to help us at all times. God is the obvious word for it, but that's not such a great word in English because it it only means what the churches have told us or that certain dogmas tell you. So if you think of it as, as the power of love or the power of bliss, um, mm-hmm. Or, or if you're comfortable with the word God, just really think like that. Or, Divine Mother is what a lot of us think of, or Heavenly Father even. But just this personification of a loving presence that is constantly attentive to you and really wants to help you, but can't help you unless you open yourself to it and ask for that help. If, if we are allowed on this plane of existence to run our own lives by ourselves as long as we want to. But as soon as we begin to pray and and ask the greater reality to help us and participate with us and guide us and clarify things for us, this flood of sweetness and support and wisdom 
just comes into us. Meditation is the specific practice of centering ourselves and stilling our minds sufficiently and calming our hearts sufficiently so that our vibration can receive, that it puts ourselves on the vibration of, of where prayers are answered. And then that energy floods into us and it becomes our own. We, the wisdom becomes our own. The understandings are our own. But we begin to realize that um, it's being given to us. It's it's a gift that's being given to us. And meditation is n- not um, so simple when you just try it as a rule. But if you get even a little bit of good instruction, then you find there's so many things you can do um, to make meditation a deeply enjoyable experience. And prayer is what we already know how to do, which is just have conversation with someone we love about what's important mm-hmm. to us. That's mm-hmm. that's what prayer is, vitally important. And you, and you don't have to be in a church, or you don't have to be... Oh, no. You can sit... I mean, I'm even in my car at times, and I'll just say, I start praying. And it's just... It's just a moment we all know in our in our own hearts when it's right. And I wouldn't say, oh, you have to be in the church and you have to be somewhere. It's like, as it says in one of my favorite movies, and I don't remember the exact saying, it is split a split piece of wood am I, and I am there. Um, mm-hmm. Move a rock and I am there. Yeah, yeah. It's like God, spirit-wise, as he or she, as you may recognize the divine is always everywhere it there's er, always around and there's um, this there's this change help. there's yeah. this change in people's understanding between religion and spirituality religion mm-hmm. is the outer form of things and it has it has its place and it's very beneficial but spirituality belongs only to you and wherever you are spirituality is and wherever you are god is because it's it's a consciousness it's a relationship it's a an experience of love and wherever you are that love is possible when you love your child or love your mother or love your friend you love your friend no matter where you are you don't have to be on a particular street or in a particular neighborhood to love your friend you just love That's your friend so true and See? we love we love God just the same, and God loves us just the same. And uh-huh. we, may go, we may go to our friend's house because we like being there. And you may mm-hmm. go to a church or a temple or uh, a, a, a redwood grove because you like being there, and that makes you feel closer to what you love. But it's the love that gives those places their reality. The places themselves are just places until you bring Very that in. Very true. Yeah. Very, very true. And I, I agree with you on that because there are some places that I like to go to that, mm-hmm. okay, being in my car, you know, you've got cars driving around, you've got noise outside, and I'm still I, I'm still praying. But mm-hmm. in itself where you could really tune in more, I think you go to those places that really bring about an awareness and a peace to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that I have a few places that are my favorite, mm-hmm. and it's really it's really funny. People laugh at me when we whenever I've been in any city, whether and my favorite was um, being in British Columbia 
because they have mm-hmm. all these little tiny chapels and churches and little cobblestone streets. Whenever I see the front door of a church open or a cathedral or a chapel, mm-hmm. I'll like say, quick, pull over, i got to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because well, because the vibrations are good in such me. places. Yeah, the vibrations are good because people sit there and think about God. Mm-hmm. And so it's got, they generally speaking have great vibes. <laughs> it's a great place and to be. And it's funny, even here where I'm mm-hmm. living, mm-hmm. if I drive down the street and I'm with someone and I say, oh, the church door's open, pull over. Like, are you mm-hmm. kidding? How long are you going to be in there? And they just pull over and I go, and I literally can go in and out or sometimes uh-huh. I'm in there for 10 or 15 minutes. But uh-huh. most of the time I'm in, I'm lighting candles, I'm praying, uh-huh. Uh-huh. meditating, and then I'm out the door. I'm back in the car within like five minutes. Uh-huh. So people laugh at me. They're like, well, what was that all about? It's just you know that, what I, um, that's I like my in, place. I like you it when I, went to, when I went to Italy and I saw uh-huh. how people would go into the cappuccino bars and just, yeah. you know, Get a, a quick hit of cappuccino and I mean of espresso and then walk out. Uh huh. That's what you're doing. You're going. You see the temple. You're going in. You're going to get your get yourself all rearranged in the spiritual light, and then you're going to go on. Seems just exactly uh-huh. right. Exactly right. And I've been to some amazing ashrams, and I've been to some uh-huh. amazing places in India. And uh-huh. you and I are going to talk later about Finhorn. Um, Finhorn's uh-huh. really magical. It's a very magical place in Scotland. Um, the Findhorn Foundation, which is kind of where you go and you learned it. I actually spent my first two weeks learning how to talk to trees, rocks, and plants. Uh-huh. And they then we got up every morning. That, yeah. yeah, about 5.30. We'd uh-huh. get up in the morning and we would go into the forest and we would sing. Uh-huh. And um, I believe there were a lot of, there was a very strong Druid uh, presence. Yeah, um, and Celtic presence, uh-huh. and um, some very magical things happened in the woods to me there. Um, yeah. On the way, traveling through and a clearing where there was a church, uh-huh. met a little girl on a bicycle who told uh-huh. me, "Oh, you need to go up this path. You're going to the church, right?" And I was with my friend, and um, I said, "Yeah, how do you know?" And she goes, "Oh, I just know this path." And then I turned around and she wasn't there. I thought she rode oh. off. And I got to the oh. church and there was a woman sweeping the patio on the front of the church, or a little tiny chapel, as you could say, in Scotland, in the middle uh-huh. of Iona, the Isle of Iona. And I told her, I said, um, she said, how did you find me? And I said, oh, the little girl on the path told me. And her face changed and she said, what'd she look like? And I told her, she thought it was my daughter who's no longer here with us on oh, this my earth. Word. Yeah, wow. so what I mean by yeah. we're just things happen don't happen by coincidence, you know. I no, mean, they don't we're have. exactly where we're supposed to be at the right time. And you and I think spoke yeah. about that the other day about being here now. Yeah, exactly. Being in the moment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very um, much. So. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you I, do I, service. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted uh-huh. you. I was going to talk about your services you do on Sunday and letting uh-huh. people know um, they can attend if they're in the area. Or well, they can um, also uh, they can also tune in live streaming. So okay, wherever you are in the world, you, you, to give you everyone. can watch. Ananda okay. Palo Ananda Palo Alto A N A N D A 
Palo Alto, P-A-L-O-A-L-T-O, the city, Palo Alto, Ananda Palo Alto. Go onto the website. There's a button you can push. We're 10 o'clock California time every Sunday morning. Our services are really actually extremely joyful. Lots of music, lots of chanting, a little bit of meditation. Uh, we read from sections from the Bible, and then we also read from the Bhagavad Gita. We're East and West. So the the point of Yogananda's the point of Yogananda's mission was to show that there's a basic unity behind all all spiritual paths that they're all going by different routes to the same goal, and so choosing the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Krishna, um, which people think of as incompatible, and actually showing how the two masters, if you understand them rightly, are all teaching us the same thing about happiness and freedom. And then it's usually me, but not always, but it's usually me, and I talk a little bit about whatever Bible or passages we've read, usually, I mean, a half an hour or so. And then we have a, a ritual we call the Festival of Light, which is a, a affirmations of very deep truths, and then a celebration and a blessing of everyone who's present or everyone at a distance to, to, to pass the energy, to uplift the energy. It's... It's going into a temple and getting yourself reset. You know, we, we wander off. <clears throat> we wander off from where we really want to be. And we need to come back and reset on a regular basis. And to be with other people of like like mind and like spirit. Um, and, you know, I'm amazed myself how the live streaming actually really brings you there in a way that you wouldn't expect. I was a little skeptical, but I myself have been impressed if you're actually participating in real time, um, mm-hmm. the, it's that space disappears. It's really quite marvelous. I hear birds now. Well, Are you where I, no, but the community I live in is surrounded by trees. This is the Ananda community where I live. And uh-huh. it's, there's a lot of trees and a lot of birds. So right uh, outside my I open window. I love birds. Yeah, birds are so important. Birds. And so your voice, your voice is kind of sort of going a little. We've had, I, we've talked so long. I, and um, I'm rubbing off on you. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm fine. I now. know. Birds are really special, I think. Um, in my house, um, I've always had birds. And I, I don't have birds now, but I've always had two. I always had I had parakeets, and then I always had a canary in my bedroom. And oh, how nice. I could just lay in my bed yeah. and uncover my canary and just listen to the canary all yeah. all morning. And it just kind of like... For me, that's uh-huh. my spiritual teaching, is listening to that. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. Birds are very, very, very special, and um, I think we learn a lot from them. Uh, Swami Kriyananda wrote a song about various aspects of nature, including uh-huh. birds, and the, the verse about the birds goes, A bird sing of freedom as they soar lightly on the air. So may our hearts soar high above all curbs and cares. And so we sing that as an affirmation of attunement with the birds and appreciation for them. There's verses for trees and rivers and mountains and just getting ourselves reconnected, become very disconnected. No, I totally agree with you. Now, are those in your book, the book that you wrote about him? Uh, not that particular song. It's on various recordings, I think. I'm not sure it's ever been recorded, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. 
if it's on a recording. You hear it when you come to our community periodically. People sing. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, and you can you know, there's That would be Swami, fun. Swamiji wrote 400 pieces of music, so much of it is on. Did he? Oh, oh, oh yeah, he was a very prolific composer. He recorded a number of albums, many collections himself, and then uh, there's a lot of musicians and singers in our community, so all there's just a vast array of choices. Again, if you go to any of the websites, you just start exploring. When you start, when you put your toe into Ananda, it just really <laughs> goes out in a big way. It goes around the planet, and it goes in all sorts of directions. And the movie, that's why I, I'll come back to the movie again, because I'm so keen on it, because it really puts across the possibility and it doesn't tell everything and it it's only it's an introduction but it awakens in people i hope so far it's been and proven it's again true. finding yeah finding finding happiness. happiness movie is the website mm-hmm. finding happiness and movie. i'm looking at the website it's awesome and sure. it has the dvd you can watch the movie you can yeah. sign up for daily happiness become a happiness ambassador and, and um, the, yeah and what's yeah. it about? Is it just what I was saying earlier? You know, everything that we've talked about here mm-hmm. um, is practical. Some of it's far out, but all of it's practical, and that's what that's what we really need to do. We need to make it show in our lives. When I met Swami Kriyananda, I was I didn't know how to make it show. I mean, now now it's different. This is forty five years later. It's almost half a century. It was harder then. There were uh, there were fewer of us. You know, now it's it's become more widespread, and by the grace of God, it will become even more widespread. People no, will be I living. Think that's, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so before we go today, okay, and we are going to end the show with a song called "Go with Love," which has your choir, I believe, singing. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and it's it's from the movie too, but it's just it's the way we say goodbye to people in our community. And mm-hmm. On special occasions, not every single generation, sure. but you understand. Uh-huh. Would you like to end the show with a um, prayer or meditation? Okay, and I'm happy to do that. do that. That would be beautiful. Okay. Um, would you want, um, okay, a minute or so. Um, whenever we invoke the presence of God, we realize that everything... Every relationship of love that we have in a human way is actually given to us to help us to understand that the divine is is everything that we seek. So we, when as I recite these different ways in which God comes to us, try to feel in your own heart the the, the perfect expression of that. So we would say, Heavenly Father, and there's that loving kindness that yet lifts us up and holds us to a higher standard. Then there is Divine Mother. And Divine Mother is the comforter. No matter how far we stray, no matter what errors we may make, we can always come back to the Mother and the Mother will comfort us. Then we say, friend, because we also have to understand the relationship with God is one of equals. The divine seems distant, but we ourselves have that divinity within us. So God, our friend. And we say, beloved, because we all have this longing for romance. 
We all want to find our perfect mate, and we want to have that intimacy of the beloved. So God to us is also beloved. And then we have simply the idea of God, the infinite, perfect joy, perfect bliss, perfect freedom. And then let us say, may thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of our devotion, which is the temple of my own heart. May your divine love shine forever in the temple of my own heart. And then the greatest prayer Master taught us is that give me your love, give me your joy, that I may give it to others. So may thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of my heart. And may I be able to awaken that love in all hearts. And then we always end a prayer by the word Amen is the sound of the Om vibration. The Om vibration is the connecting link between the spirit and the material world. Om, Om, mm-hmm. Om. I'm always Peace. saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Amen. Great. This has been a wonderful show. Thank you so much for being here today. And... Um, I have your number. Is it okay to call you maybe tomorrow, not today, because I know it's been a long day for us? Uh-huh. I, practically speaking, I'm going to be on the road tomorrow, but I'll email you another number okay. you can call me. Please okay. do. I will. All right. Much love to you. And, again, we're going to end the show with a song co- called Go With Love. Make sure to tune in Friday. I'll have Zoe Moon on. And... um We're going to end the show today now, and I want to thank you with my entire heart for you being here today, because I think this is not just what I need. I think, yeah, I think it's it's very intense, a lot of lessons to be learned, a lot of people, a lot of clarity for a lot of people, I think. And again, check out Finding Happiness. They do have their own... YouTube channel as well, and they're on Facebook, and so is Asha. Asha's on Facebook as well. Asha and, Praver um, is my last name, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Asha Praver. So with that, mm-hmm. with that, we're going to end the show, and uh, thank you so much for being here today, Asha. My pleasure, Holly. I hope to hear from you soon. You okay. will, and I'll look for your email, okay? Okay. okay. And we'll talk tomorrow, okay? Okay. God bless You've been listening to Red Velvet Media with Holly Steffi. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.